Welcome to Alberta Conservation Association's Harvest Your Own podcast, the resource for everything hunting, navigating through the field, the butcher shop, and the kitchen. Life is all about great food. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fenson, an avid outdoor enthusiast who has worked as a freelance journalist, photographer, and public speaker for over three decades. I have hunted, fished, and foraged all my life and hope to share my passion for the outdoors. Along the way, I want to encourage everyone to harvest wild proteins and enjoy the satisfaction of providing the next meal for your family. Our goal is to educate, entertain, and inspire individuals to get outdoors and create a connection between food, health, and your future meals. Welcome to Harvest Your Own. I would like to welcome Dan Schmidt to the show. Dan's a long-term friend of mine and one of my editors. I've worked with Dan for, uh, I'd say, decades and he is one of the most passionate people I know about deer hunting. Welcome to Harvest Your Own, Dan. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's always a pleasure chatting about deer and uh, passion for the outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I think you and I could do for hours, but um, it's something I do on a daily basis too, so it's, it's always something I will take time for. Right. I'm guessing that you started at a, an early age. Can you tell us how you got into hunting? Uh, yes, I did. Um, when I grew up, I grew up just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it was farm, dairy farm country back then. And I got into, my brothers were very much into rabbit hunting, cottontail rabbits. And that was my first love. I, uh, I didn't get to hunt when I was little. I was about five or six years old. And for me, the, uh, I got, I got to be the beagle i guess is i got to i got to flush the rabbits and then my payoff was i got to carry the rabbits well so i did that for several years and that, that was how i got started it is a big payoff when you're young i remember toting my dad's ducks along when we went to the marsh and it was a big deal being able to to grab onto those ducks and uh, take them back to the car at the end of the day it was it, it, i mean in, you you understand to me when i was little that was like the biggest thing was like you got to carry home the, the harvest and that was, it was, it was an honor and I just looked forward to it and I would beg my brothers to take me hunting with them. And that's so, how, that's how I got into it. Yeah. So I think it'd be safe to say that it created, uh, some deep emotional ties to what you were doing and made you, uh, respectful and proud of what was going on. Yes, it did. Um, for me, it, when, I think when you, when you grow up on a farm or you grow up as a hunter, you really, you, un, you, you learn to really appreciate everything, not just, you know, the animals, but just the whole process. And for me, that was, that was the beginning for me. Right. So, I mean, this is a good cook, uh, kickoff for the show because we're talking about emotions in hunting and whether or not they should be there or they're allowed and what role they play, what happens. But, uh, you know, looking at your history, you've had a, a strong relationship with wildlife, with hunting, with the outdoors. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, your dad played a big role in that and still plays a big role in your life and hunting in, in uh, every season. Yeah, absolutely. My dad is the one who lit the deer hunting passion in me. And, um, he, you know, he was the one that, He's the one where I get my excitement from because he is—he just turned 87, and he still hunts uh, with a crossbow now. And um, he had never done that up until he retired with any type of archery. It was always gun, gun hunting before that, but 
Uh, my dad is the one who he really instilled that that drive. I guess is what how would you call it? Just to to be outside and to experience everything that nature has to provide, and then uh, his emotions are my emotions. I, we we wear them on our sleeve, and I don't think we apologize for it. No, and I don't think you should. And I think that's an important message because the people that influence early in our lives, our mentors, our family, our friends. We often mimic them later in life doing the same activities. And your dad is highly emotional and takes great pleasure in the hunting and the outdoors and has great value at the end of the hunt on the proteins that are put in the freezer and on the table. And uh, I think that's a really good definition of Dan Schmidt. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And again, I would, it's everything to my dad. And it's about the emotion, utilizing the harvest, um, he grew up uh, one of 15 kids, and that was on the cusp of the Depression. They utilized every scrap of meat from the deer, and um, as you know, that's where, where I get it from, too. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, nowadays it's different, but it, it's, it's different, but it's the same. It's different in the fact that back then it was survival. Now it's about just being appreciative of that wild protein that you get that you can't get anywhere else, and it's something special every single time. It's always been a valuable commodity. The value just comes from different places in different time. <laughs> exactly, 100%. Yeah. So a lot of people are thinking, huh, I wonder why Brad's interviewing somebody from Wisconsin about the love of deer and emotions. Well, the best way to describe it is Dan is the only person that I know that took his extreme love and emotion and passion for wildlife and especially deer and has made a, a career out of it. So tell us a little bit about your career, who you are, what you do. You know, I mentioned that you're my editor and we've worked together for years, but uh, uh, you play a big role in deer and deer hunting magazine and television. Yeah. Um, and you know the story. I'll tell it real quick. But uh, when I was in grade school, this would have been, uh, so this will date myself, but it was in April of um, 1981. I was in elementary uh, parochial school, and our English teacher asked us to write a theme paper, what we wanted it to be when we grew up. And uh, I had written how I wanted to become the editor of Deer and Deer Hunting Magazine, which at that time was only, it was only uh, four years old. It, it, Deer and Deer Hunting, the Stump Center started in 1973, but uh, Deer and Deer Hunting, which was the first, Whitetail specific magazine anywhere started in 1977, and when I I got that first copy, I'm like, that's what I want to do. I love deer. I love deer hunting. And my mom had saved that paper all those years. Well, it took me a while. I I went through college, uh, journalism school, and uh, newspapers, and I finally got my foot in the door um, at the magazine. And uh, right around 1994, 1995, and I fulfilled the dream of getting there. And then it took many years of, you know, many years of working and to work my way up the ladder. And um, then we started the TV show on, as your your co-host with it. Uh, 18 years ago, we started the television show. And now it's um, that our business is, um, it's print, it's digital, online, it's television, but it's all things deer hunting. Uh, we do a couple other magazines as well, but um, and television shows. But yeah. for me, it's been a, a dream come true, and I know that, and I don't take that lightly because 
I know a lot. I, my dad was a carpenter. I grew up working with him construction my whole life or, you know, up until through college. And um, I knew that if I would be able to fulfill this dream, which I'm thankful that I have been able to do, you know, they say, like, if you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. And yes, there's, you're still working, but when you, when you get to do what you love, and I love deer hunting and I love talking about it, yes, we, there's work involved in producing television shows and producing magazines and, and all that stuff. But um, it's something that is extremely, extremely satisfying. Yeah, so the, the important message in there is dream big and keep your eye on the prize because anything is possible. You know, I, I, I grew up uh, very with similar thoughts and goals, Dan, and uh, look where I am today. I mean, I, I have to pinch myself to make sure it's real sometimes and and uh, that's and it shows with what you do brad because you know people can sit back and say oh that must be you you have it made and this and that and the other thing but you work extremely hard and that that's the difference is i always tell um grade school students when i do speaking events um no one's gonna pay you because you like to go deer hunting, you have to have a skill. You have to be, you know, in this case, you have to be a good writer. You got to be a good editor. You got to be a good, good with a video camera. You, you got to have a technical skill. And then once you have that, like you said, if you apply yourself and you stick with it, you can. If you have the, if, if you have the right determination, you can make it work. And, and you're a perfect example of that as well. Well, thank you, Dan. And, uh, you know, the things that we work on together, you know, you, you mentioned deer and deer hunting television and anyone that has seen current episodes. Uh, Dan shot a whitetail doe in Wyoming and wasn't sure that he could recover it. And your emotion really showed through. I mean, you had a restless night. You had a, felt sick to your stomach. And when you found the deer, there were tears streaming down your face. Yeah. Yeah, it, that, that one especially hit home for me. And I actually um, received some criticism for that. Uh, people said, you know, man up, it's just a doe, or, you know, why are you becoming so emotional? You're, you're a mess. For me, um, and I'm, I say this not to brag, but I, um, I've shot over 500 deer in my life. But every single one for me, I'm taking the life of another animal. And to me, that is something that comes with great responsibility. And it comes with, um, like, again, my personal thoughts on it. I am a Christian man, and I know what God has provided with us, provided us, and I, I don't take anything for granted. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but I do allow my emotions to, I wear them on my sleeve, and I, and I don't apologize for it. Because uh, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a very sobering moment. It's a joyful moment, you know, when you when you harvest an animal and, and you know you have venison and all that. But at the same time, it it Charlie Alshimer, the late great Charlie Alshimer, once told me that you know life is just a vapor, and um, and the other thing he said is we are just one small link in a never-ending chain. And I that never I never forgot that because to me it's like it makes you humble. And it makes you think about your place in the universe. And I know that might be a little bit deep for some people, but that's the way I look at it. And then what you saw there on that particular program, it was a bad shot that I made. Um, we did recover the deer, but when we got up there, I, I, I kind of came unglued because 
it was just so much emotion. And, and I know any hunter who has shot a deer and didn't recover it right away, especially most guys with a big buck, you know, uh, they are overcome with emotion because it's like, you don't know if you can get it. You don't want the animal to suffer um, and that type of thing. And, and like I said, it's it just, for me, it, it comes pouring out sometimes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, to, to me, I think it's a good thing. If you're emotional, you should show it. Uh, we've done lots with Harvest Your Own for people that want to get into hunting that are just starting out and those that are seasoned. But one thing that we can never really deal with in a way is someone's emotions because they're so personal. So you can check out Harvest Your Own, get all kinds of information to get started hunting and stuff, but it's hard to deal with the emotions. This podcast is produced for Harvest Your Own a program dedicated to those who want to reconnect with food and health through their experiences outdoors. HarvestYourOwn.ca is a resource for individuals to learn more about hunting and the outdoors. There's information to get you started and ensure that your compass stays pointed in the right direction to be successful. Where's your next meal coming from? The big big question that I had for you today was, is it okay to be an emotional hunter? And you've already answered that, you know. I, I think it is, and your emotions come out in different ways. You know, if I uh, was telling stories today, I remember the first time we went to uh, Oregon together and you harvested a, a mule deer with uh, a new long-range scope system, and yep. you were, like, you were cartwheeling down the mountain. <laughs> I, I forgot that you were there. I 100% <laughs> remember it. Um, I was That was the most exciting hunt I've been on, I believe, because... I was unsure that I could do that. I was coached through it. It was a long shot. And, um, I, it was the, it was the ultimate high. Um, when I, when I shot that mule deer, it was the ultimate high. And I guess that's the roller coaster that we get, you know, it's, um, the roller coaster is the, the emotional happiness. And then the emotional, I don't want to call it sadness, but like the, uh, the reality of, you know, yeah. um, the, the reality of it is tough. Like th- th- this is a question that's on the table because I've had lots of people approach me and say, I really want to get into hunting. I would love to have organic proteins. I'd love to feed that to my family. I see the value. I just don't know if I could deal with harvesting an animal. Yeah. It, it's not, it's not for everybody. I mean, I think we, we are so far removed from it as modern people. Uh, one thing that you, you probably know I've written about this before, but um, for somebody who's just getting started, what I would say is, you know, this is nothing new. So when we talk, when we talk about emotions and we talk about, you know, and we can go, we could go off on side topics on this, but some of the earliest references I found were from the, uh, the Cree nation and they're up, they started up in your area in Alberta and then the Plains Cree and the Ojibwe, um, they had elaborate rituals for that dealt with emotion in, in harvesting animals and and I the, the the references I found were like 500 years ago right. so it's, it's nothing it's nothing new and then what I would say is for somebody who's having a hard time with it um, if you just do a little bit of, of research on your history you'll understand this has been ingrained in our human DNA forever so it's something that I think you know, somebody can even research and look at and say, you know, it might give you a new perspective on how to approach it because I think it's something you can handle 
um, if, if put in the right perspective. Absolutely. And I, I'm glad you brought the historical references in because it's been a big part of cultures for, for centuries and allowed us to survive as a species. Uh, but we also have to look at maybe where our emotions come from. You know, it's, it's not a negative thing. I think it comes from love and respect. Like, uh, you know, and that comes back to the love of deer. Like, I know that Dan Schmidt loves deer. Is that, like, that's an understatement. I do, and uh, thank you. But yes, it's um, it's the it's the love and respect of the animal, of the process, and then what it means. In um, a good parallel, because I I know you can relate to this because you do a lot of this yourself. Is um, if if you're a new hunter that's uh, listening to this program, or if you or have never hunted and you're thinking about it, it's no, it, it's not a lot different then the first time you plant a tomato plant and, and, and you see that process and you get the tomato, are you going to get as emotional over a tomato as a deer? No, but it's the, um, it's, I guess the, the pure appreciation of that process. You love that process. You, 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 you get your hands in the soil to, to work that soil, to get the soil right, to plant the seed, to, to grow the vegetable. And you appreciate it that much more. You know, nothing tastes better than something you grew yourself. And it's the same thing with the, with the whitetail. Right. It comes and back then, to, to our instincts as hunters, gatherers, and gardeners. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and, and people don't have to take it too far of a step. I mean, lots of people buy a chicken and cut it up and uh, throw it on the barbecue. I know you didn't see it while it's still out its feathers on and all the rest of it, but it's not hard to imagine where it came from or know where it came from and understand it. So... Um, most of us eat, uh, meat, although I have run into a couple people that have started with harvest your own that, uh, were vegans and are now eating organically sourced proteins and loving it, I might add, but it was a huge step for them to, to, to look at things the same way as the rest of us that, uh, perhaps enjoyed proteins all our lives. Yeah, that's good. Very good example. You know, I, I have another question for you, Dan, um, Emotions can be a big part of the hunt, and especially the culmination of things coming together at the end. Is it somewhat addictive in terms of, is that what makes us want to go do it again? Even though sometimes we we don't know how to deal with it, it's t- tough to deal with. Uh, man, it tugs at our heart, it plays with our mind. Uh, is it part of the addiction that makes us want to go back for more? I think it is. Um, I think that it's it's a maturation process, too. Um, but I definitely believe that there's something there that, you know, the more you do it, the more you, you learn and the more you learn, the more you love it. And, um, I, I definitely think there's a connection there. Um, it's not, you know, Fred Bear said this back in the 1950s. It's not the kill, you know, it's everything that leads up to it. Yes, the kill is definitely part of it, and that that's that's something that's in in our DNA as well. You know, the, the actual the actual success is it is it's adrenaline and all that. But the um, the emotion is it is a, it's a love process. And I know that might sound a little you know psychological, but it 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 definitely is because it's it's not going to the grocery store and 
being removed from you. You're in that process. And when, when you understand everything goes, and the other thing too, and I know you've even talked about this, but it's, it's sitting in that stand in fall and hearing those aspen leaves, you know, tickle in the wind and, and hearing that chickadee or whatever it is. And it's remembering all that stimuli, that buck walking in the leaves down the creek. And then there's that moment of hesitation, whether or not you're going to get a shot or you don't, you know, and then, then, then it's the ultimate, you know, the ultimate is you get, you get the deer. You put your hands on the deer and it's very, I said before, it's very humbling. But, but to answer your question, yes, I think that, I think it is addicting. I think it is, um, it's something more than that though. It's something that it defines who you are as a person. After a while. What I'm, what I'm also hearing is you need to find ways to embrace your emotion yeah. and, and enjoy it. You know, hearing that buck walking through the leaves and uh, soaking in everything around you from the chickadees to the other things you see here, smell like the, the woods in the fall are, is a wonderful place. And most people don't get to experience, you know, 1% of it compared to what a hunter gets to experience sitting in a stand for, for a day. It's uh it's pretty magical. So I'm sure it heightens all your senses, which generally can make you more emotional overall just from the experience. I agree. This podcast was made possible by Alberta Conservation Association and the Harvest Your Own community. If you're interested in harvesting your own food, there's a comprehensive collection of information to gain insight and knowledge, head to the field, harvest your own protein, prepare it, and taste the results. HarvestYourOwn.ca is a library of information from getting started and geared up to processing, butchering, and cooking wild game to make the connection between health and food. Another big question for you. I think this is really important is I never apologize for being a hunter. I always stand up for myself, but I don't think anybody should apologize for being emotional either. No, no, you shouldn't. Um, and I don't, obviously. I, I, I get criticized for it, but I understand that the, the position that I'm in um, might be a little bit more um, publicly accessible just for, for what I do, but never apologize for it. I don't try to stick it in people's faces either. You know, right. um, exactly. It's a, it's a personal experience. If somebody would like to, to, to you know, enjoy it, that's great, but... Um, I, I never apologize for it, and and nobody should. You, you and you should never have to apologize for uh, being emotional, but at the same time, um, be respectful. And because some people might not might not understand or might not want to understand it, and that's that's understandable as well. You know, that's that that's a big part of it because uh, I think the emotions come from respect, and all of us have seen different. Things occur, whether it's in photos, on social media, on YouTube, on television. Uh, there's different ways to celebrate uh, a harvest, and some of them look respectful and some of them don't. So uh, I think that's an important message too is, you know, people trying to get into hunting, trying to deal with their emotion, not sure how they deal with it. Maybe they've seen things and it makes it even more confusing to understand. But, you know, for those of us that uh, have hunted our whole lives, have deep respect for the wildlife, uh, are emotional about it to this day, no matter how many critters we've put in the freezer and put on the table. Um, that respect is always something that I feel like we owe the animal number one. 
animals number one and and you you touch on social media i do you know you do see lots and that's not just in our in our segments but across the internet you see stuff on social media that makes you cringe um and that's one thing that i would just urge people that you know if you're showing respect um that's one thing but if you're showing disrespect i think people should stop and pause and think about how that's being uh, portrayed and how it might be interpreted by somebody else because that is that has really changed things over the past 10 12 years and facebook and twitter and instagram and tiktok and all this stuff you see people doing things you know that are probably for the wrong reasons and um so any of the younger listeners i would say as long as you're being true to yourself um uh, just make sure that you know you're you're still part of the hunting community whether you have one year experience or no or 10 years of or you know, 20 years of experience um how somebody else might perceive it you should keep that in mind before clicking post on something because that does affect all of us if, if it's done in poor taste or if it's you know something that probably sh- shouldn't be shared amongst the thousands if not millions of other people out there yeah or even just a friend you know what i tell people is always show your best side yeah i, I remember as a young hunter one time uh one of the very first deer I harvested, I wasn't nearly as uh, muscular. I don't know if muscular is the right word, but as strong as I am today. And uh, I went to sit on the back of the deer to pull up his head, and the, the gentleman that we were hunting with said, oh, you know, don't sit on them. I find that very disrespectful. And, boy, it, did it ever strike a nerve with me. I mean, I have never forgot that. And, you know, the first thing I do when I get up to a deer is put my hand on it and, and respect it and give thanks, make sure that it's expired and, uh, I've approached things in life very differently. I didn't do anything wrong as a young hunter. I just didn't know better. I, you know, hadn't got the experience. I didn't look at it from other people's perspectives. But um, I was very politely and respectfully uh, told why someone else wouldn't do it. And it, it, it sunk home with me. So, you know, there's an important message there. As hunters, we're also mentors. Uh, people read articles. They see TV shows. We take people out on their first experiences. Uh, just like you with your dad, you soak everything in. So always put your best side forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's a great way of putting it. Do you have any other advice for people in terms of uh, showing respect to animals after a harvest? Sure. Um, one thing that I would say as far as um, you, you talk about some rituals, uh, some, some rituals I've seen have, have bordered on crude, and I would say, if it bothers you, just think about it. You know, if somebody else is doing it, think about it. Maybe I won't do that, and I won't repeat some of them here. But um, one thing I would say is if you're going to take photographs, uh, clean that, clean the animal up a little bit. Um, we, we learned that just being in this business. Um, uh, you know, we'd always carry a, a roll of paper towel with us and a bottle of water and, and try to wipe away any blood. Uh, we don't want those in our photos. It's not that we're trying to hide things. We just want to make it more respectful. I think that is that is a, a good tip. Um, the other tip is we will we will avoid having the tongue hanging out because you know a deer dies normally the tongue falls out. We would, we would try to um, not show that. And then the other thing too is um, I don't. Well, I always say a prayer after I kill an animal. But that's me personally. I'm not I'm not advocating that people should do that or shouldn't do that. It's just 
for me, it's a it's a personal thing. But um, just uh, just transporting the deer. And I don't know how it is up in your neck of the woods, but down here it was always like, I guess a tradition where people would put it in the back of their truck and leave the end gate open and parade it around town to show everybody. I don't necessarily agree with that because some people might not want to see it. So I don't, I don't go to great lengths to hide stuff, but I also don't go to great lengths to show off. And uh, for me, that's, that might be rubbing it in somebody's face who doesn't want to see it. And I need to be respectful of that. So there's, those are, I guess, a few examples that I would use. Um, you know, here's, here's a concept. Treat, treat others the way you'd want to be treated. Um, even though they might not like, you have to always understand, maybe put yourself into the other person's position, whether they're a bystander or a citizen in town or another motorist on the road. Um, that's a personal thing for you. And uh, I think that just goes back to what you just said, being respectful and maybe, maybe trying to think a couple steps ahead. We don't have to be somber and walk around, you know, with our heads down. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying that, um, it's just being a, a thoughtful, caring person. Yeah, and again, that's, you know, this might go back in history, Dan. Uh, you probably know this, but uh, not in Canada, but some states uh, many years ago, it was actually illegal to conceal an animal that you harvested, which is why we saw yeah. pictures of people with pickup trucks and deer strapped over the front hood or on the roof or on the front fender is because uh, the game wardens didn't want to have to stop people to search. They wanted to know if you had something and you couldn't conceal it. So, you know, it's funny how things change in a hundred years and how they don't, <laughs> but, uh, you're right about being discreet. I mean, I've, uh, I'm fortunate. I live in a place where we can harvest some very big animals. And many times I've taken a moose and I've got, uh, you know, a quad in the back, all the meat is in game bags and I have to put the antlers and head on the very top. And, you know, it's yeah. as discreet as I can get, but I've had lots of people honking at me and waving and, you know, the odd person frowns at me. But uh, uh, it's always interesting to see the uh, uh, how other people that are on the roads deal with it. But, you know, it's it's always been done in a respectful manner, and I've got very positive feedback from it. Yeah, no, I that, and that, no, the point you made before, it used to be that way here, too, that you you could not conceal. They changed that law. Uh, it's quite a few years ago already, but um, that was, I think, born in the days when there weren't that many deer. So, you know, they were trying to keep better tabs on the population, things like that. So that, that has changed. But then people have changed, too, <laughs> over the years. Is that, um, you know, back in those days, I think everybody, everybody would celebrate. Well, oh, my gosh, look at that. He, you know, he got a deer. That's something else. Um, and today it's maybe taken for granted. Taken for granted because we have so much opportunity. You know, it used to be one right. deer, deer yeah. season, and now there's multiple deer that you can harvest enough to feed your family for the year. Yeah, yeah, that's changed a lot. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I tell people is uh, emotions are great. You can show them. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't apologize for it. Uh, take your pictures. Do whatever it is you want to do. Uh, I find great satisfaction in taking more pictures of the animals when they grace the barbecue and my plate. And yeah. I, I actually think it keeps my critics at, at bay because I do post uh, hunting photos and things that I harvest, and I always show respect, but I show way more food po posts than anything. So. And your food photos, they, they get me hungry every time. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, that's the ultimate respect is, you know, a hunt is not complete for me until I've brought the animal home. I like to do my own processing 
and put things in the freezer. My family helps me. It, uh, you know, it'll influence them in future years too and their friends and already has. So we, we all have a role to play as a hunter and whether you're aspiring to get into the field or you're new to it or have been there for a while, um, there's, there's different things that you can do to, to make the road easier for everyone that is there and people that want to get in and to make it a very fulfilling and rewarding passion for the rest of your life. Any other advice on emotions or uh, deer hunting that you'd like to pass on? For me, just enjoy it. Um, do what's legal, obviously, but at the same time, hunt for yourself and, and don't, don't hunt for somebody else. That's the other advice I could give somebody is that um, that tag is your tag and um, you fill it with what you what makes you excited, what makes your knees knock, what gets you excited. And if you do that and stay true to yourself, you're going to find a very enjoyable experience this year and many years down the road. That is great advice. One last question for you. What is your favorite deer recipe? My favorite deer recipe is, um, oh boy, I would have to say, the thing is, is you know me too well because I eat so much nonsense. Um, man, I I have to pick one. I guess it would be chili, but and that's kind of a cop out. But the chili that I like is the one you actually showed me with the double meat. Right. Chili, and I had never made that until I met you. It was uh, when I used to make chili. It was always with ground meat, and then you showed me like, okay, use the ground meat, but use diced up puke meat as well. That's pretty fabulous i could eat that i mean it's great in the winter time you know in january february it's cold outside you come in from cutting firewood or something and you got a nice big hot bowl of chili but i just picked a bunch of jalapenos um, <laughs> today actually and i was going to make some of that here this weekend so i, I guess i'll have to go with that because it's, it's fresh off the top of my mind right there awesome the one i was hoping you'd share and you still could is how to deal with deer ribs i mean this is a little off oh, topic deer, but... yeah. go ahead deer ribs yeah, I don't have the recipe off the top of my head, but that one actually was, um, oh, oh, okay, so no, that that one, I know which one you're talking about now. The, the first one was my brother-in-law used to make racks of deer ribs, which are fabulous. But um, a lot of people don't utilize the rib meat, you know, especially on a, a smaller deer. They say, oh, it's not worth, it's not worth messing with. Uh, there's not a lot of meat. But what I'll do is I'll get a sharp knife, and I will take every scrap of meat from the from the inside of those ribs, and I'll you know I'll leave the fat on it and all that. And I will take it's you, you get, basically get several big handfuls of meat, and um, I'll put that in a slow cooker and just kind of cook that down. And uh, it is amazing. You just need a little bit of barbecue sauce with that, and uh, you've got some of the best best eating there is. And Anybody who has not tried that, um, just try it this year once, and I, you will never, you will never bypass the rib meat again. And it's the same thing with um, with wild turkeys. I don't know how many wild turkeys you guys have up there, but most people would just brush the turkey out and not save the legs. And I, to me, it's like, oh my goodness! If you ever tried uh, turkey legs in the same fashion in the slow cooker, cook it down. That's some of the best eating, but uh, the, the the rib meat is it is you're going to eat too too much of it basically. <laughs> um, so you better be prepared for that because when you when you have it, you're going to basically sit down and you have a feast and you say, yeah, I, I probably ate way too much today. 
you know, that's the ultimate respect for the deer in the end is finding a way to fully utilize all parts of it. And that's a great rib recipe. And that's why I've asked you to share it. Dan, thank you for coming on the show today. I think it was uh, an important topic to cover and you did an outstanding job. Absolutely. Thank you, Brad. I very much appreciate it. We hope to inspire people to reconnect with nature and appreciate where your food comes from by harvesting your own. For more information on getting started or to learn specifics about the Field to Fork experience, visit harvestyourown.ca and follow on Facebook and Instagram. Check back often for new material, recipes, and videos that are posted regularly. Please subscribe to Harvest Your Own Podcast and take the time to rate and review the show to help us build a dedicated core of passionate hunters as our regular audience. Until next time, embrace the outdoors and all it has to offer. Thanks for joining us.